Hello, my name is Dylan, and this is the Heroes of Reality podcast, a place where I interview heroes of reality, of life, science, technology, and more, and I share the stories, lessons, journeys, inspiring you to be the hero of your reality. And on today's podcast, I interview Dr. Dave Heatman. Dave is a self-care coach, precision medicine expert, chiropractor. He actually had a very large facility helping several sports teams understand their health and how to get them maximize their potential in terms of the sports arena. He gave that all up and traveled the U.S. for a, a year on a bus called a schoolie. Uh, from that, he learned about permaculture, uh, farming. He connected deeply with his family. And now he resides in Austin, Texas, where he is combining together uh, precision medicine along with technology to use the technology to reconnect with humanity. And so it is my pleasure to introduce Dr. Dave Heatman. Hey, Dr. Dave, how you doing, brother? Not too bad. Glad to be here. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. I'm, I'm really excited to have you on. Um, the way we got connected is uh, one of my close friends, Anthony, um, you were his personal care coach, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of, lots of fun. Precision wellness. Um, we did a little bit of uh, biohacking more on the extreme stress, uh, mental, you know, all of the things that come with entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah, with especially with entrepreneurship, uh, the the need to be um, uh, resilient and also the need for self care. It sometimes you you forget everything else and you become obsessed with that thing, and yeah. everything starts breaking around you, and you know your maximum speed might be be a hundred miles an hour, but then you it, you know you start grinding so hard that your maximum speed drops to ninety to eighty to seventy, and you slowly become less effective yep. over time. So. <laughs> Totally. And it's easy. The, the reason why he loved calling me the self-care coach is because the simplicity of what people forget uh-huh. is to just get out for a five minute walk if you're stressed. Mm-hmm. And like those little tactics, those are those are more what would be considered self-care. Yeah. Not biohacking, extreme precision wellness, medicine, right? Like you can put data behind it. You can put watches on it. You can measure it. You can do all that stuff. But the reality is, is the simplicity wins at the end of the day. And most people overcomplicate their health. So that's my gift and my specialty to people is uh, simplifying what their plans and their progress should be. That's that's great. I mean, with, I mean, and it's the first time I've ever heard of a, um, self-care coach. I mean, I've heard lots of different coaching types. It's the first time I've heard that. Um, what got you into that space of being uh, a self-care coach or precision wellness or what, what's your origin story, if you don't mind me asking? What the heck am I? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I've been trying to ask myself that question for a really long time. Um, no, it, it all started, honestly, this is kind of a fun journey. And I, I know we're, we're here to talk about the hero's journey. And, mm-hmm. um, one of the interesting things about my life is that I was born to understand health mm-hmm. from fourth grade on. Uh, I literally have this in writing that I wanted to become a professional football player in fourth grade. And I was obsessed over strength and conditioning, health and wellness, natural ways. My parents raised me uh, from day one going to a chiropractor. Mm. They raised me from day one to um think about the drugs that I was putting into my body. Like, do I really need ibuprofen or do I not? Um, 
<clears throat> and and so I grew up with this this deep philosophy. I used to skip school in middle school because I was more interested in going to the library. There was no Google at that time. Uh, and, uh, you know, I actually had to go read this thing called a book. And I would open up and I just remember geeking out over what amino acids were because I was reading Muscle and Fitness magazine and they're talking about supplements of amino acids and creatine was just coming into the marketplace at that time. And mm -hmm. uh, man, it, it just launched this deep obsession. And then on top of it, being a very, very active kid, I was like the five sport kind of person. I was always in the emergency room. My parents were always bringing me for some sort of broken bone, torn ligament. I've got my foot chopped up in the lawnmower. Uh, I just had all these crazy things happen to me. And, and the joke kind of mm -hmm. was like three to four times a year, I would end up in the emergency room with some sort of dislocated thing or some appendage hanging off of me. Um, <laughs> but it, it was it was crazy because yeah. I'd be right there reading the x-rays with the doctors mm -hmm. in middle school and, and early, you know, early high school. And uh, they would always just invite me in and, and allow me to explore as the curious child. And by the time I got to college, I already had this path set that I, I never questioned my path around biochemistry and molecular biology. I was obsessed over the things that I couldn't see physically without a mm -hmm. microscope. And so I was just deep, deep, deep into um, human biology, cell biology. I ended up doing uh, research in undergrad and biomechanics and undergrad, um, uh, biomechanics and energetics. Mm -hmm. And then uh, was on the MD PhD route before I really decided, I asked myself, so it's kind of a turning point. I'm obsessed over all this health and nutrition and I went and toured some oncologists and things I was thinking about doing oncology. And they weren't they weren't living the health and wellness aspect. They were they were providing a single service, right? Yeah. Like everyone who walked through the door, they did the exact same thing. There was no variability in it. And it just seemed very boring to me. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up going into chiropractic because I'd gone to a chiropractor my whole life and they supported me through all my sports. Got obsessed into um uh, sports medicine. So I specialized in sports medicine. I ended up getting another master's degree on top of my doctorate degree in sports science and rehabilitation. And then I um, got trained as an athletic trainer and physical therapist and rehab specialist and took all of the obsession classes at that time. And when I came time to open my own practice, I, I opened up a sports medicine practice, did that for 10 years. And here's the funny thing. This is actually getting to the point of your question of why, why self-care mm -hmm. is that? So I was the beefed up macho, strong person, sports medicine program, power lift, you know, paleo nutrition, detox kind of person, right? Well, in my business, I ended up growing so fast that I didn't know how to handle it. I, mm -hmm. I grew this massive sports complex in, in a 7,000 square foot facility that had all the gadgets, indoor cycling, personal training, nutrition. We even built a kitchen into <laughs> the office so that we could do nutrition seminars. Nice. And uh, what ended up happening was I became so stressed out. I became so fatigued. And this is something that I'm sure we'll dive into deep, but uh, I essentially went into a negative entrepreneurial spiral mm. and what I now know as an entrepreneurial negative spiral where I started staying up late. I couldn't sleep because I was working hundred hours a week. Uh, I was on sports fields. I was the medical director for over 12 different sports teams throughout my career and uh, would just find myself like trying to zone out watching Netflix, eating popcorn and drinking beer at night. 
and it just turned into one of those things where I lost my health in a massive kind of way. So I went deep, deep into like depression. I gained geez, 50 pounds, Mm -hmm. some, some crazy amount. I was up to like 270 pounds, severe, (laughs) swollen, red, painful. I could barely do my job. And and it just one day, I, I, I remember this, this is, this is where it gets me emotional is that it was only like five years into my practice and I wanted to drive off the road because I didn't want to show up for work. I was so on the outside, everyone was just like, oh, you're so successful. People, you know, falling over to try to come work for me and blah, blah, blah. And internally, I was just a mess. And I just thought one day of like, man, if I just drive off the road and hurt myself a little bit, I don't have to show up and do the chiropractic thing. Then maybe I could just manage the, the business. <laughs> and, I, and I hit the rumble strips and then I was like, whoa, what the, what the F-bomb? Yeah. What am I doing here? Clearly I need help. And that's honestly the first time in my life where it was that recognition point of maybe I don't know everything. And so I went on to that, that journey of mm, – uh, personal development mm. is what it would be called to begin with. And I quickly realized that that wasn't my issue, that personal development from the masses, like the Tony Robbins stuff. Yes, it's really cool. But for someone like me, I'm an overproducer. I'm an overdoer. I have no issues getting motivated to go off the couch and do something. And my issue was that I didn't understand business. I also didn't understand perspective of myself. Mm. And so I started blaming the world instead of blaming myself. And at that time, that's what kept me in the negative loop at that time. But I started Mm. realizing. So I started hiring all these coaches. I started doing personal development from the standpoint of thinking about my thinking. That was where my personal development really led me to. And that led me to Stoic philosophy, which is another really fun conversation for me because I'm very passionate about it because it allowed me to ask the right questions. It allowed me to ask the what if questions like what would be the worst case scenario? What if I did yeah. lose all of this? What if I just walked away from all this? What would actually happen? Yeah. The, the answer uh, is nothing. <laughs> so with the, I mean, there's a lot of great points on here, and I, and I don't mean to interrupt on this one, but when you talk about the Stoic philosophy, it's one of the things that I actually really uh, resonate with as well um, in terms of I feel like it's the best type of uh, operating system for the human brain. And, and really yeah. being able to say that, you know, these these core tenants, these values, and actually my, my company itself, we've got um, uh, four core uh, value sets that are actually based off of, one, our own personal value sets, but, they're, but they relate directly back to the Stoic philosophy that we call the Stoicism. Um, yeah, and so, <laughs> cool. And, and I, I completely agree with you on that way of that, but that mindset of being able to... Um, um, being able to weather the storm and just have that internal space of of uh, of choice of of, yes. of strength of certainty of even if things don't work out it's okay it's gonna work out and you know yep. nobody's gonna make this out alive and that um, there's there's so many strong principles uh, with that is there is there any um, core nuggets from the stock like the stoic philosophies like are there are there like like Statements that 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 when you think of it, if you were to boil it down, that's what resonates with you. Is there something that stands there out? There is, yeah. yeah. And and actually, I started writing this as a mantra every day, and started asking myself <clears throat> with every decision, does this fit this? And the statement is, it really allowed me to say, I'm in control of my own destiny. 
Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that I really realized that, that it didn't matter what a job was to label me. It didn't matter what I went to school with, is that I'm in control of my own destiny. And what that allowed to do was get to the next level of healing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It allowed me to start to figure out the self-care component, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because self-care is actually Stoic philosophy. Mm-hmm. And this is really crazy to think about. It's like we've got all this knowledge around healthcare, mm-hmm. but the reality is, is that unless we take control of our own actions and we take control of our own destiny that's self-care mm. knowing what works best for us not for someone else yeah See this, and uh oh yeah go ahead that's tricky um i was, I was going to ask you how stoic relates back to healthcare, but I, I do agree in the sense that you have a personal empowerment you are empowered you know what you are responsible for your own feelings you are responsible for everything because it is it is you the tricky bit is but what if you want to just sit around eating donuts all day Right. And then right. that, because that is there, that is, I'm empowered to do that. So why don't I just live that nihilistic life and just, just, just be completely in the, in the pleasure moment? You know, how do you, yep. it's, it's a, it's an interesting balance because you both are internal thoughts in both of them are you're in control, but one is kind of like this, like self gratification yeah, no. monkey. Right. And yep. then is the other one like, well, I'm doing this because I have control over myself. Are you able to sometimes, do you ever find yourself sliding on one side or the other side or not knowing if you're taking a gut check where you where that stands? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Now now I view health completely different. And, and I think I used to view health as a static thing. In other words, you do X and you get Y. And mm-hmm. now I view it as spirals. I view it as a very dynamic moving thing that you're either, either moving towards one thing or you're moving towards another. You're either making the habits start to build on each other in a positive way, or you're making the habits start to build on each other in a negative way. Mm. And then there's external, there's society. So the people who sit on the couch were born and raised to not have to think about passion. But the reality is all humans want to contribute in some way. All humans want to have a sense of community. Mm -hmm. It's what makes us human. And in society today, we've lost the, really, the foundation of what it means to be a community. And we've lost the foundation of what it means to be um, self-productive because we've been told what is productive and what's not productive. Mm. This is the, the classic qualm of artists, right? They're told that it's not a productive thing to do to become artists because they don't get the value money from it but the reality is is they get the massive reward from the inside if they were to embrace it and say fuck society and what they're policing on me and if they were to be stoic about it and think about from their own perspective they wouldn't be sitting on the couch they would be doing whatever their passion and their contribution would be but because we were born and raised and and this gets into the whole school system and homeschooling and all of that kind of fun stuff I, i i don't send my kids to school for a reason is when we're always told what to do Mm -hmm. then you end up with a society of people living on the couch Mm -hmm. if people are allowed the freedom to do what they want when they want and start to creatively explore their education and creatively explore their passions Mm -hmm. they will always be driven to do something and it may not be society's best <laughs> deem of, of what is uh, uh, productive or not, but they will, themselves will be productive and therefore they'll actually get healthier. 
They'll move more. They'll eat less. They'll do all of those things. You, you need to have a, a driving passion. It, it, it may not be a. It may not be a necessarily in game, but there is some sort of um, fuel that drives you forward. And it sounds like, you know, we've given up um, meaning and purpose and community for comfort and ease. Yeah. And, and frictionlessness where we just you know it, 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 humans are this weird thing that is a balance between we get the most meaning from effort but the last thing we want to do is put in massive amounts of energy and right. so that that counterbalance is you're at these weird paradoxical situations where you have to be able to um, generate energy based upon meaning when, but when you're constantly in a state of um, consuming entertainment, you you, yeah. you don't have that. You're in a different state, and that that's a, it's an interesting um, uh, balance that people find. I mean, do you do you find people that you're, you're talking about these situations where the people that you work with are they primarily they are in that go mode and then they do self care or do you have it where it's the other way around and they, they're kind of purposelessly wandering and you need to find a way to kind of instill that energy in them what side of the fence do they normally find themselves on yeah back when i used to have my full practice so mm -hmm. by the way we didn't even get to that part of the oh, story yeah, yet. Yeah, three, three years ago <laughs> yeah three years ago i shut down my office uh, for all of these purposes yes. um is that when i was working with the general population yeah. I, I would get the mix of half and half okay uh so even in the sports medicine clinic right it's um marketing is just a funny miraculous thing of um uh, image and influencers is a whole nother conversation but uh, a vast majority of my patients weren't like athletes per se, they were active people. A lot of them were active people, but a lot of um, inherently people who would rather sit on the couch, they really had to force themselves to get up and go for a run or, or some something of that nature. So I had that both half and half population when I was in the sports medicine world. But then when I switched into just doing virtual stuff and coaching entrepreneurs and working in the entrepreneurial world, uh, I found a whole different personality set. Uh, and, and way different even than the pro athletes that I used to work with. So pro athletes, believe it or not, most of them are inherently, uh, I hate to use the word lazy, but they need to be driven by someone else. Mm -hmm. uh, very few of them actually have intrinsic motivation. Yeah. They all rely on extrinsic motivation. Entrepreneurs are exact opposite. Most entrepreneurs, in order to actually make it in this world as an entrepreneur or business owner, you have to have a tenacity that comes from within. And it's this internal drive and uh, it drives you in a wrong way in a different way. So most entrepreneurs get overproductive, they overproduce, and essentially they lose their health in multiple different facets from the standpoint of they get so busy because of their internal drive that they forget to stop and actually take care of themselves, which then in turn doesn't allow them to make the global business decisions. So the biggest problem being is that they start to lose the management of their hormones, they mm -hmm. start to get the stress hormones up there, and it literally severs the cognitive ability of a person to think about how to solve problems. Yeah. And so the classic business owner who runs themselves into burnout is because they're so intrinsically motivated that they keep busy and they just make themselves more and more busy, which raises their cortisol levels, which inhibits their cognitive ability, which then they just run themselves into the ground because they they never think to stop and ask like, oh, could someone else do this job for me? 
Yeah. They just pick up and do all of the pieces. And so it's this different world of when you enter into coaching entrepreneurs around their health is you have to understand business principles. You have to understand these mental Mm -hmm. stress equations. You have to understand all of those that go into the the least important thing when working with entrepreneurs is their macro program and their their strength and conditioning program. That's that's interesting. uh, Macro program. So, I mean, a couple things on that topic. It's funny because, yeah, I I got so excited about the stoic thing. I just kind of like cut you off. I started diving (laughs) diving into things. Okay. Um, just touched on a couple of things here, though, um, with these entrepreneurs that get so obsessed, um, self-productivity, things like that. It seems like um, it's almost like they get so dived onto a topic and they, they go all the way into that, that they, they basically burn up, I think it's all the uh, glucosamine on the prefrontal cortex, and they just basically lose all their willpower. Right. And it's just done. And then at the end yep. of that, it's like, well, I've given everything I've got to this. I, I don't, I, I, I just want, I just need to recharge. And so I'm going to recharge with fast food. I'm going to recharge with watching Netflix late at night. I'm going to recharge yep. with all these other uh, systems, which are, um, it's a way to be like, I've put in my time. I can't put in anything else. I just, I just, meh. and then you like, you're like that tuning into a TV, like on, the, yep. on that, on that station of snow, just, uh-huh. just like, I, we can't make any of the decisions. And that right there is, is just a different type of, um, well, it sounds like it's like a discipline. It's cause you're, cause they're driven by an obsession. I'm not saying it's a yep. discipline because the, the, the athlete and the entrepreneur are they're both driven by different types of obsessions. An athlete is obsessed with beating someone else, obsessed with achievement, obsessed with eternal accolades, awards, significance, all those types of things. Entrepreneurs, they're driving on a on a on another. It, it could be a mixtures of those, but it, both of them, it's not a. It, it, there's a there. It goes back to how do you instill that disciplined behavior if these people have a tendency to run off the edge of the cliff and got nothing left to give. Yep. And that, and that's where self-care came in. That, that is, that, that, that's honestly, so like I had to learn it yeah. for myself first, right? Because <laughs> okay. for me to go a hundred, hundred miles an hour, seven days a week. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd be in my office from six thirty in the morning till eight at night. And then I'd go stand on the sports field until 11 at night. And sometimes my Saturdays were three different sports teams, morning, afternoon, and all the way until midnight. And it's just like, it's mind blowing some of the stuff that I put myself through just because I thought that I was having fun doing it. Mm-hmm. I never viewed it as work. Yeah. But I didn't have the discipline and the structure to just be like, oh no, I, I need to take some time for lunch. I would be honestly like eating my food in between patients because patients don't care if you're eating lunch. They just show up and they demand to be treated. And for me, I'm very much a. Uh, I'm a people pleaser that way when I'm running that style of business and I'm the provider, right? Like, so it's me only halfway eating my food, setting it down, going, working on that person and coming back. And I never had the discipline to actually structure my time to get my workout. in. I never had the discipline Mm -hmm. to reduce my stress. I never went for a walk. I never did anything. And that's how I learned the importance of self-care, of all of this coming together, that that is the, there is no one thing. It all has to come together. Yeah. Yeah. With a lot of what I've seen, um, successful entrepreneurs or whatever you want, whatever you want to call it, um, a lot of it comes from a scratching your own itch, 
right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, you're like, I know this not because I, you know, I was slipping through the yellow pages. If anybody knows what yellow pages are, um, <laughs> and, and they're like, just put their finger down and and, and they encyclopedia. So I'm gonna work on that. But you have this, you have an emotional connection, a deep core incident that is basically burned into your psyche of self-care is important if it's important for me it's got to be important for everybody else because it's very difficult to have all perspectives at all times and all it just we're not designed that way so okay so so you made this realization you you hit this point and yeah we can loop it back yeah we we had uh essentially at that point so i was already at the point where i had lost the trust and um um dedication of my employees, but my whole world came collapsing down on me. So I had a big, massive government contract. I was the uh, coordinated provider for a hospital system. Uh, And we had, it took a year to get uh, approval through the government for this. And just one day they sent me a John Deere letter. So I had something like that happen, which cut out 200,000 of my, uh, a year of my income. And then I ended up, It was just such a bad, I was trying to be a transactional manager instead Mm -hmm. of being the leader that I am. I'm not a manager by nature. I'm a person who's a leader. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to transactionally manage people. In other words, giving them a to-do list, checking to make sure that it got done. And I lost the trust of all of them. So I ended up having people steal from me. I had people, you know, go behind my back and do stuff. And all these things started happening. And uh, I got to the point where... Uh, I was going to sell my practice. That didn't work out. So next thing you know, I find myself basically all by myself. My wife worked as the office manager and we were homeschooling the kids in the office. And I was just so tired, Mm -hmm. so, so tired. And what threw me over the edge was we had started already exploring all these principles. I'd started researching how to switch into online and do virtual visits and Uh, You know, I just kept asking myself, there's got to be better ways to serve the population. There's got to be better ways to take my information and help people. And uh, what what threw me over the edge was I was adjusting someone, my finger snapped in half. So my finger broke. And yeah, it wasn't now. But, you know, me being still in that strong headed position, I just fucking kept going. And then a month later, my elbow snapped in half. And it was just this crazy thing that started happening to me and then i think it wasn't wasn't even quite a month later i had like two root canals crack in half and my teeth fall out of my jaw i was just like all right are you getting the point i'm gonna keep breaking things yeah. until you learn yeah. yeah yeah and uh so so through a long process it was very this is where stoic stuff really helped us we made the very clear and deliberate action to declare bankruptcy mm-hmm. and make a massive shift in our life. We had, we had owned real estate. We had owned uh, a bunch of different things. And um, it, it was just the, the weight of it was I, I couldn't do what I could uh, you know do to make money. And then I had all of this back debt from all of the things, the bad deci- you know, decisions mm-hmm. that I had made. Um, And so it was just like the stoic aspect of I'm in control of my own destiny Mm. allowed me to make the decision to say, okay, it's time to reinvent ourselves. And basically what we did is we got rid of everything. We were down to our last $4,000 and we bought a $3,000 school bus and converted (laughs) it into our home. 
and started driving around the country as a family of four. Oh, and uh, we, we scratched our itch. Uh, like the whole purpose of it was to regain my health, yeah. regain our family health and connection, uh, but then also to explore farming because that's another side passion that I have is, is uh, in exploring all these health issues, just realizing how bad the farming system is out there. So I just wanted to go explore firsthand uh, what it meant to do permaculture and food forests and soil restoration. So, did you see somebody else do this? It sounds very Partridge Family. Like, is there any, <laughs> like how did you? I mean, you just gonna get a bus. We're gonna reinvent ourselves. I mean, was there an inspiration? Did you have like an end goal thought in the head, or was it? Yeah, just, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it it started off as an obsession to escape. Okay. And I think this is really common when we're overwhelmed. We we want to find the escape route. And we had started becoming obsessed with tiny homes. Mm-hmm. Started researching that. And uh, it was over the course of like two years over my health journey at the end of my practice. And the, the tiny homes kept bringing up these crazy people living on school buses. And we we're like, ah, oh, that's fucking crazy. We would never do that. And then one time came and we we're just like, Oh, we need to do something where we can't go buy property. We can't, you know, just go buy a house or anything like that. Like, oh, maybe the school bus thing is an actual thing. And uh, so we just did about two months of research online. Yeah. Uh, and there's this whole, it's called Schooly. So you can look it up. There's a whole Schooly culture. This was three years ago, way before the trend. Now it's a massive trend. Mm-hmm. It's the wonderlust lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we were doing this way before it was, was so, popular so and, uh, schoolies being in school yeah. buses, that that's a group yeah, of people. School, schoolies, people who convert school buses into their home and they travel the country. Got it. Okay. So okay. like we even did a, it was, it was called schoolie Palooza where 60 school buses showed up in Quartzsite, Arizona in the <laughs> middle of the desert. And we all hung out for three weeks and, uh, you know, built fires and sounds, had food together and all that kind of fun sounds stuff. Very Burning Man-esque. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you're uh, in the school bus. You're driving around, checking out some farms. Yep. And then yeah, we worked a bunch of different farms. Lessons learned on on agricultural and and you know sustainable living and there. Yeah, I mean, you talk about <clears throat> going back through the struggles of of getting back to what it means to be human to take care of our actual needs so we didn't put electricity on the bus and we didn't put running water on the bus so every day was a literal aspect of um you know how are we doing the dishes how are we doing cooking how are we doing our our washing ourselves all of those things that most people take for granted you have a very supportive wife I'm going to tell you that. Yeah, yeah well, it's, it's a journey <laughs> together. Yeah, it's not a support thing. It's it's not. It, this was our. T- this was a together decision. Massive communication goes into our relationship, uh, and and we really make the life that we want to make, and that's the beauty of it. Wow. Yeah, it sounds everything very, is a together. It reminds me of um. So, originally, man was hunter gatherers, right? About ten thousand years ago, we came across agriculture. So we created farming and plots, and we started we stopped moving around the land, hunting and gathering, and we started becoming stationary, which changed a whole bunch of dynamics in our lifestyles, our living patterns, uh, uh, nuclear families yep. versus tribal systems, things like that, and you know, and there's trade-offs again, uh, comfort for community, 
And yes. so uh, it sounds like he kind of, I mean, we got back to the roots of hunter, gatherer, wanderer, travel around looking for a bounty, um, yep. collaborating together, struggling together. A lot of the things that you really need as very uh, primitive survival patterns. Yep. Yeah. And, and we did that with intention and purpose. Yeah. So there would be times where we would go. <clears throat> one of the spots we stayed was an organic lemon farm. And we literally parked the bus in between uh, the trees uh-huh. and we could reach out the window and pick lemons to put into our food. Um, <laughs> we, we did foraging. We, uh, I, I climbed three mountains. One of them, I almost died. I, I created a landslide for myself and got about two feet away from uh, like six, 700 foot drop. Um, wow. But yeah, we stayed in the desert. We stayed in um, a bunch of different national forests. And uh, like I did a seven day backpacking hike with someone where it was, we went through Sam, Sam Houston National Forest. It was 110 miles that we hiked and uh, with wow. one backpack and one food drop off. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we just, we went all in. We went all in in the self-discovery and foraging and hunting. And we even lived on uh, the Cato Mounds historic site. And I helped them build a snake woman permaculture garden uh, in the old school ways of the way that they used to grow food. Two questions. First question: how <laughs> how long was how is how long was this period of time? One year. One year. Okay. Yep. And you said the second question is snake woman. Um, what what is the snake woman uh, farming system? Permaculture. <laughs> permaculture. Yeah. Yeah, permaculture at that time it was just called the snake woman's garden but um basically if if you understand what permaculture is now which is uh how can we plant plants to grow together that they feed each other you don't have to till the ground mm-hmm. you don't have to take care of it you just harvest um this is what the native americans used to do the cato people especially they're one of the largest civilizations here in america there were uh, seven million native americans living up and down the mississippi wow. and they created all these great communities and uh we lived at one of the historic sites. So one of the things you can do is uh, work to camp. Mm. So we'd have to put in like two hours a day of work at this historical site. In exchange, we got to park our bus outside their um, their museum and their, they have like a little um, house. And so you could you, you, you know, cook in there and shower in there and all sure. that kind of fun stuff. Wow. Um, but so, yeah, so I created a snake woman garden for him where it's it think back to what you learned in like elementary school where uh-huh. you plant the corn, the peas and the squash together. Mm. That's the trifecta. All of those plants actually now we know feed each other and they prevent disease and bugs and all of that kind of fun stuff. They help each other grow Got it. Um, yeah. and they support each other in growing. Uh, so that's that's kind of the design of permaculture, if you Got want to think of it. Tribe of vegetables. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So okay, that, that, that makes sense. I was just, just trying to understand. I've never heard that term before. Um, yeah. When the snake woman is, is really cool. We used to teach our civilization through story mm-hmm. and the principles that if you were to eat food too soon, you would hurt the future generations of your tribe, right? You literally would die of starvation because you wouldn't be able to save the seeds to plant for the next season. So if the kids would go in there and disrupt the garden, it was a big deal. And so fables and storytelling were the way that all of our cultures made the next generation understand the importance of something. Mm -hmm. And so the snake woman garden was all about that. If you went in there and you did something you're not supposed to, a snake would 
bite you. And this is the snake woman, you know, there's like yeah. <laughs> all these different stories that, that are around these types of things that we're supposed to learn and pass down to our next generation, which doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, we, I mean, stories was one of the great technologies that we use to pass knowledge from one generation to the next, right? Stories is nothing but information and emotion combined. The more intense yeah. the emotion, the more long the retention. So better the story, the more emotionally engaging, the better the lessons are transcended across. And so yep. that's, you know, that's, you know, a, a meme is a is the smallest form of data that can be transmitted to someone, right? And powerful memes are a tiny bit of information that is very emotionally compelling. The only thing is, yep. is that we've we're inundated with so much meme technology that we we've become very used to desensitizing ourselves to it, right? So, yeah, you know, the, so. the emotional got you videos on Facebook that hit you off a of one beat, you know, it's a yep. it's something that we're, you know, it's a uh, much like what humans do is we find the core aspect of it and exploit the hell out of it. And to where it, <laughs> yes, we're to, very good at that. Yes, yeah, yeah. We have you have a, a philosophy and then or uh, uh, an ideology, and then man creates laws around philosophies, and then other men find clever ways to circumvent it <laughs> while staying yep. true to the letter of the law, which is a whole, yep. whole other issue going through it. Um, so you you went through this journey. What ended it? What got you out of the school bus and into where you're where you're at currently? Yeah, so it, it's by no means a sense of completion, but we had felt that um, we had experienced what we wanted to experience from the bus standpoint. And so um, the, the secondary, third, tertiary purpose, whatever you want to call it, of driving around, we drove around to a whole bunch of different cities that we were interested in permanently living. Mm. And Austin had always been calling us. And uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, I had flown here quite a few times for Paleo FX. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a couple of entrepreneur friends here um, who uh, just raved about the city and everything that it had to offer. And the few times that we did visit, it was so health orientated, but also technology orientated. And so that while the year on the bus, even though I was living with candlelights in this simplistic, you know, no technology world, I was exploring on my cell phone is the one technology that we had. I was exploring what my next stage of life should be. Mm-hmm. And I knew that there was this calling for something bigger. Mm-hmm. And I knew that it was entrepreneurship with a much bigger uh, flair than what I could ever even imagine. And I knew Austin was just, it was the vibrations that were just the universe telling me, go to Austin and something awesome is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. we, we moved to Austin in the bus and we'd spent about, four months living in different places around the outskirts of Austin so that we could explore like where do we want to live in the city? What do we want to do? Um, And so that took a while, but then, then we finally found a house to rent. And then two months ago, we got two acres of land here and uh, we're starting our farming project. Um, But in, in the the real world, what I'm doing is building a technology company around all of these concepts. So that's, that's kind of the fun stuff of fast forward a year, after the bus, me coming to that realization. Uh, so it's just been a progressive figuring out who the frick I am yeah. and what do I want to contribute to this world. Uh, yeah. And everything in between was me doing all sorts of different online products, me doing uh, all sorts of different coaching 
um, uh, getting really deep with a whole bunch of high level entrepreneurs and mind mapping and just geeking out over what is possible with uh, genetics and precision wellness and biometrics and all these crazy things that are here in Austin mm-hmm. of, um, yeah, it's just so inspirational here. So that that's what has been my passion for way before I knew it was a passion. And now it's just all coming to life here in Austin. Yeah, the it, it's funny because, you know, kids are a bundle of potential, right? And then as they, as they, as they, you know, pick a path or they do something, then, you know, they, they go from, you know, from exploring to exploiting, right? They switch that, that mindset. And the the thing is, uh, any professional is someone who does what they love to do when they don't love to do it. And the challenge with that is after a while, you kind of lose your love for that thing. You become so, it becomes a grind job, right? And I think being able to toggle um, between, it sounds like you toggle from exploiting as much as possible in this precision wellness space where you're like, okay, I have, I am, I am, I am at my thing. So you just switch the mechanism back to explore creative side right and yep. so you until you reignited the possibility of what you can then go and exploit it's not it has a yeah. negative, negative connotation but the whole the whole premise behind it is just you know it's just you know through this evolution from hunter-gatherer to agricultural to industrial era to digital technical all those things up this up this arch you know we've we've lost different pieces but it seems like with this new era especially austin i can't imagine a better spot of of having using technology to reconnect with humanity in a way that is uh very fulfilling and meaningful while you still get the best of technology and you're using it to to serve you in a way that actually um enhances you in a positive light versus um, eating a bucket of donuts is not the same yep. thing as being of service to yourself. So, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, we're, we're at a beautiful crossroads of where technology can come in and actually start to be humanistic in its approach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in my sports medicine practice, I saw countless athletes. I was actually anti-technology mm-hmm. for a good five to seven years in my practice because what I saw out of it was no one making meaning out of the data. And what would happen would, would be all these high-end triathletes that I would be um, uh, working on from an injury standpoint and kind of a coaching standpoint is they literally would run themselves in the ground because they were just – staring down at their watch trying to chase their heart rate mm-hmm. and uh, you know they wouldn't realize that it was 90 degrees out and they would just bonk out and start puking all over the place and, and not even be able to finish their race because they're trying to hit their max heart rate yeah and uh so i, I had to be very anti-technology in my office because it was destroying people well mm-hmm. now we're finally that technology is catching up to uh an actual insight understanding meaningful era where we can start to guide people Mm -hmm. and this precision wellness space is really finally starting to get there. It's just starting to breach. Um, Most of the people that I deal with that have the the fun watches and the aura rings and things of that nature, they don't know what the heck they're doing with them. And they still the same issues, Um, but we're much, much closer. And that that's actually my passion is where I'm going with all of this is that the technology to give people insights and meaning around 
all of this aspect. Sure. Like what is self-care? What is, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what excites you about the, the precision willing space today versus several years ago? I mean, what about it is, is really allowing us to kind of reconnect with ourselves and really helping us to kind of self heal. Yeah, it's it's the aspect of uh, 99% of the population, like we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, our brains are wired to take the easiest solution. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of work to interpret data. So most of the data coming out right now is just overwhelming, exhausting. And unless you're that real big type A personality that has extra time on their hands and building spreadsheets and <laughs> trying to make meaning out of your, your uh, cycling metrics, right? Um, that That's what's exciting me is that now this age where big data is starting to come together in a meaningful way. Uh, and that is the next generation. So if we're if we're talking from a technological advancement standpoint, the future is so bright for me. Mm-hmm. The future is just massive abundance around our health. What we know of today of being siloed providers is all going away in the next five to 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's just we have so much disruption coming down because the technical aspect of things is going to be replaced with technology. And so we, you know, we'll be able to walk into a photo booth and and get a full spectrum scan of everything that's going on in our body. Doctors won't have to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, doctors will turn into coaches, not uh, data analysis. So, so it really does, it allows for kind of humans or people to just be able to empower themselves and say, look, it's, we, we, we've cut out all the, um, you know, uh, guys in white coats saying you should do this. You shouldn't do that. Here's your <laughs> yep. own data. Here's what it means. Here's into this. And here's some paths. Here's what you can choose on those paths. And if you want, you know, uh, Dr. Coach Dave to run you through, um, through this, then it, it, it we've seen that there's been a, a success rating of X percentage. Yep. If you get, uh, uh, an accountability coach doctor to, to help you through this whole process, something like that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the reality, we all think that we're so alike, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're taught from school that, oh, we're, we're all human. So we must have the same physiology and it's complete BS. We all are so unique mm-hmm. and what's going to work for someone is absolutely not going to work for another person. So as a doctor, mm-hmm. just giving a general recommendation to say, oh, you should go do paleo just because you're having some gut health issues. Like, yeah, you could go do paleo. But you should have a sensor on you to monitor to know if your resting heart rate is getting into the right spot, if your HRV is getting into the right spot. You know, are the metrics actually improving for you? Yeah. And you should have that as a feedback system on a daily basis so that you actually understand if you're going in the right direction in that spiral that I'm talking about. Enough of this like once a year testing or even if you're proactive and you're doing once a quarter, you have no idea. You have no waypoint navigation to know if you're going in the right direction or not. Yeah, the, I mean, if one of, one of the things I have to say is life is a game and it's more fun to play with your friends. Um, <laughs> yes. Part of it being a game is the fact that what makes a game um, simplistically um, is that there's obstacles, there's feedback, right? And it's voluntary. Uh, the yep. difference between work and games is a game is something you choose to do. A work is something you have to do, right? And, yep. and so with that, especially with the health, you know, a lot of people, um, when they go to eat 
unhealthy food and they're in uh, they're already in that place they're like well what's one more fast food meal what's one more thing there's no there's no direct immediate feedback on the system to show you that you actually are able to you know every meal counts every you know decision along this path counts and there's no direct feedback in that in that system so um i mean how do you i mean how do you help I mean, one way is those biofeedback monitors since back. But I mean, but how do you, I mean, re-empower people uh, to to yeah. kind of re-engage and, and, and make this a fun game that gets some more direct feedback? Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful question. And, and gamification is going to be a big piece of our technology because mm-hmm. that is such a strong component of humans. It comes down to two, two big principles that we're getting after. One is that a vast majority of the population doesn't have what's called interoception. In other words, they can't feel what's going on in their body. Mm -hmm. I'm a very um, uh, self-aware person. When I eat something, I can see if it sits in my stomach right or not Mm -hmm. on one meal. Vast majority of the population can't do that. And that's where a lot of these issues come in is that um, we have this ability as humans to kind of see long term. We can see some of the immediate, but we can't really feel the immediate. Uh, And so therefore we have no frame of reference on what each daily decision is doing for us. Mm -hmm. And if we have technology that can actually show us in a gamified way, what would happen? That one meal, that one decision that you make, that one night of sleep where if you have, um, let's say your biometrics show that you're perfectly fine having three drinks a night, it still gives you the social feel good that you want, but it doesn't affect your sleep. You get to five drinks and your sleep is affected and you lose uh, like an hour of your deep sleep and your rhythm gets off and the sequence of your deep sleep, light sleep and your your REM sleep get off. And I can show you without showing you any numbers, like all of this data stuff is meaningless to people, right? But if I can show you in a gamified way Mm -hmm. what that decision did to you and how you might end up actually hurting yourself or helping yourself, you're more likely to make a better decision next time. Yeah. The, the, the being able to take a, um, take a step back and do a reflective view of, okay, this, this, these are my actions from the day, from the week, from the month of the year. This is how it's the long-term view, being able to kind of hop between that long-term view and that short-term view. Do you have a yep. uh, curious around, um, I mean, do you have any either systems or, 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 or tricks or tips or things like that, armor ups that you can help people to recognize that moment? Because every, every one of these decisions you're talking about, these self-care decisions, it all happens in a moment. There's a moment yeah. that they're like, um, I've worked so hard, so now I can eat and do whatever I want. There's a moment that these, these, these micro decisions just, how do you help people basically recognize those moments and be able to take the the positive decision for those moments is there anything that any suggestions you'd have around that yeah the, the biggest thing by far this goes back to or the beginning of the conversation too where we talked about people just busying themselves and they shut off their thinking mm-hmm. one of the fastest ways the most immediate ways is to learn how to breathe now it sounds super anti-intuitive but most people don't breathe They get caught up in the upper part of the windpipes. So they start to breathe from their neck and their shoulders. And you can see this in stressed out people. They've got more of the knobs in their neck, you know, the strains in their Mm -hmm. neck. Uh, They, you know, taking uh, shallow breaths 
And what ends up happening is you lose more and more of that cognitive ability, that respiration rate goes way up. And in fact, so much that the general population went from, you know, normal breaths being 10 to 12 breaths per minute mm. to uh, something around 16 to 20 is now considered normal. Huh. And as society has changed, we've just adapted what a normal uh, uh, numbers is. And you can see this across body fat percentages, thyroid issue, you know, right? Like yeah. as people have gotten fatter and out of shape, we've just adjusted the scales to make them feel normal. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the whole nother side conversation. Sounds like a very American thing to um, do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's let's fit the paradigm to make people feel better about themselves. Uh, but breathing is, is the immediate tactic. Breathing, right. if we learn how to breathe through our nose, mm -hmm. Breathing through our nose instead of our mouth actually releases types of chemicals in our brain to open up airways. It opens up blood vessels, and we try to slow our respiration down. So I teach people square breathing, circle breathing, and triangle breathing, uh, different mm -hmm. things that we can do, and it immediately changes physiology in the body. And that immediate change in physiology opens up the mind to start to ask the self you know, what are the right questions that I should be asking about myself right now? And then that brings into awareness. And if we want to talk mind, body, spirit, the mind starts controlling the body. The body then allows the spirit to come in and say, what's good for me? What's not good for me? Got it. So the, it's the, the, the breath is the key to the thoughts and the, and the thoughts are the keys yeah. to the actions, the actions and leads to the habits. used for centuries, but we yeah. just seem to have forgotten it for the past 100 years because it was voodoo. It, it's voodoo. And also it's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, we're, we're constantly trying to demystify the science of, of old stuff. And so we're trying to, you know, we don't always understand why. Breathing. Like we just forget about breathing. Like they, and it's also, not considered scientific enough. Again, we're just dumb monkeys. <laughs> standing on the shoulders of other smart monkeys that are standing on the shoulders of other smart monkeys and, and that that pattern of well why do you do it well i did it because my grandma did it they did it because they did it that way and so there's there are values in that i mean there's a reason why you know um certain religions don't eat pork right and but it wasn't because it was necessarily there's demons in it it was because like it could kill you and uh -huh. you know that like religions being one of the original kind of scientists where they kind of grouped together and said okay what do we need to do to live the best life to be the healthiest to yep. be good that type of thing and so it, it's kind of uh one thing i've noticed is we've started we've while we've looked into the future and said, okay, what do we need? What's the next great leap in technology and sciences and education and things like that? We're also looking back at the past saying, okay, but what, what made us the most human to, to bridge those gaps? Um, do you have like, I mean, you s mentioned a lot about the, the permaculture and about, you know, self-care and um, really creating technologies that, that help facilitate this type of thing. I mean, do you have like a, like a Holy grail and end game is, is this a, like, a, like a, what are your thoughts around what, if you could wave a magic wand and, 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 and do what you will with humanity, what would that look like for your, your Holy grail with all this? Yeah, cool. A, a totally immersive health experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, technology is going to have the ability to be on us without us knowing. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be ubiquitous everywhere. And it's going to allow us to have the passion. One, here's a, a fun conversation that I like to have too, is that we don't have to be scared of AI replacing jobs, right? Mm -hmm. We don't, we, as, as uh, jobs start to get replaced with meaningless task 
production, it allows humans to become more human. And as humans become more human, we're going to care more about our health. We're going to care about the health of the planet. We're going to care about the health of ourselves. We're going to be able to take time to ourselves and we're going to be able to start to feel the feelings that we need to be having and technology is going to allow the society replacement the culture replacement of things Mm -hmm. to allow for that expression to be shown and then on the introspective side it's going to allow us to have introspective even if we're not naturally born with that perspective to be able to feel what's going on in our body. And it's going to be able to help people understand from a data standpoint, an insight, meaningful meaning making standpoint of, wow, I just really messed up my body doing that one thing. Oh, but this machine is telling me that that's okay. It's okay that I have pain because pain is actually meant for me to be aware of what's going on. It's not something to be afraid of. And we can have artificial intelligence explain that process to us because it's been proven through data. Yeah. Uh, it makes me think about augmented introspection, the, uh, the ability to augment that and, and, and get those kind of pay attention yep. to those gut feelings in a, in a, in a more, um, uh, awareness generating kind of manner. So for example, like, uh, if I had a, a an actual mood ring on and, you know, every time it, it went to red, it just gave me a little shock to let me know, Hey, yep. bud, you know, uh, you just pay attention over here because it, it is very difficult to see inside the whirlwind of your own emotions and your own life stuff. You, it's unless, unless you get those. And then that's really, I mean, it's, it's funny humans like, there's this balance between these two things of be authentic, be who you want to be, be those types of things. At the same time, I want acceptance. I, I acceptance. I want to be connected. Yep. I want to be with people. And then the, the, the toggling between the two of, well, it, what happens when my, my authentic self is in conflict with what uh, I'm representing to, to other people and, and, and being able to, to balance out those things. And that's why, I mean, people say, oh, don't listen to what other people say. Eh. Well, there's probably yeah. there's a lot of probably a lot of good cases where that's actually kind of important. You know, things you don't do at a church or a funeral or a birthday party that could be, you yeah. know, it's an important characteristic. It's just it's it's, it's being up the to to, um, I guess the whole point being is with the AI system and the gamification and with the the challenges there is having systems that let you know what's going on, that empower you to make the game of your choosing, but not demand that if you don't do this, um, um, like you don't get to get on the bus and you don't get to, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. You're not invited to party. China has <laughs> things like that now. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but China has like this social good act that like, if you help an old lady cross the street, you get points. And if you do enough, enough messes up and you don't, aren't a good person, then you won't get access to certain areas. And so it's like a, it's a technology karma. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've ever seen black mirror, uh, the TV show. It's a, no, I haven't watched that. Oh man. It's like the, it's like, uh, the, it's like a futuristic twilight show and it always is like, Oh, this technology is amazing until, and then it just goes yeah, to this yeah. deep, dark spiral of stuff. Yeah. And, and that was one of the, one of the episodes is based around that. Um, but I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm massive into like continuum and, uh, uh, so what are the couple of other futuristic ones that I've, I've just got done watching I I a lot of, them. I love them. I haven't watched continuum. What's that about? Ooh, yeah, it's a big one. It's, um, it, if you imagine, so it was a Canadian show all the way back from 2012 that thinks there's like seven seasons. Uh-huh. And um, it's a time traveling show. 
you know, mm. so they they can flip back and forth, kind uh, of like altered carbon in the oh. is a modern day one. Yeah, altered um, is great. So, but they don't have sleeves; they've got body suits as the protector, mm. and they have computers like when you uh, you know integrate it into your eyes, integrated their DNA suits essentially, mm. um, and you you spread your fingers and a computer screen pops up and you can type on it, and um, cool. they flip back and forth. Of corporate Congress has taken over the world. There's no um. governments. Corporate Congress has, mm. and people try to go back in time to stop corporate congress and it's this flip-flopping back of time travel and technology uh-huh. play that is just brilliantly done oh it's beautiful i, I yeah. love things like that especially as a designer developer because it's like imagination creates entertainment and then entertainment yep. is this fantasy that now technology is trying to live up to and so yep. you know in the 80s there was all this you know virtual reality and things of the future and flying cars and and they were just like oh but we got to do that and and, and we're constantly trying to find ways to make that happen and we we get there and it's not the exact same path right you know um but it's 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 um we can imagine it and then we're constantly on the grind to be able to make that make that become a reality yeah, it allows the scientists this, this is the way i love describing it is that it allows the scientists to uh, uh get the creative side of what they can't because mm. scientists by nature the developers a lot of times are so data driven that they don't have the creativity so if you have someone who has a good blend of the data and creativity they can create the future and then the scientists will catch up with to the future <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly it's yeah. really the responsibility of movie making and and all of that kind of stuff if you look all it's... the way back to james bond and uh star wars and, uh, star, you know, trek. star trek and yep. all of those things like all of that stuff is coming I mean, real now like i was just watching this thing about infrared and, mm-hmm. and um you know fmri machines and different things that way we are soon going to have that little handheld scanner where we'll just be able to wave a wand over someone and get a full body scan and image and be able to do the therapy like I, that's on the verge of happening yeah i saw i saw pills that like they're like bio bio pills that you swallow and they do like internal sensing of your temperatures and and they they give you certain biofeedback sensors and things like that Uh like and you just you just swallow them and you just it's very interesting to like put those things in your body i did hear something freaky though with those those uh frmi scanners that like are in your skin is that like someone put a like someone put a virus in it so when he went to work he corrupted all the systems to where his coworkers couldn't get access to the systems it oh really yeah no matter it's it's just it's it's like with anything. It's like uh, in games, right? Like some humans will make a, a game, a system, a device, and then other humans will just find ways to break it, to to, to corrupt it and destroy it. And and it's, it's kind of a yep. constant snake and mongoose battle of uh, iterating on the systems so that you you can try to make something that is. Um, uh, resilient to, to humans being in uh, uh, innately lazy, and also uh, in the gaming space we call Schauderfreude. Um, Schauderfreude is a it's a it's a term it's a German term called Harmjoy, and it's the pleasure you see from messing with other people. And oh, so, sweet. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's a, a lot of Schauderfreude in, in the in the video game um, virtual reality space of like I'm I'm to go out of my way to do something good for myself I'm gonna go out of my way like an inch but to go out of my way to mess with my friend I'm gonna go like 10 feet I guess yeah, I right. could, because I've, I've really worked myself on this one so um, but that's maybe that's part- the reason why April Fools is so popular <laughs> that could definitely be it it's it's fun because again it's like if life is a game then it, it's all about the your ability to choose what you want to do with this life and some people they they 
they just want to eat, sit around, and and like my choice is to do nothing. And other people are like, well, I'm gonna try to be my best self. And there's all these, these everyone's yeah. playing their own game, and everyone's trying to, to get the most out of this life, but everyone's got a different way about how they how they do it. And it's just like, well, and, and I know that this is your world, but if we could get every person playing some sort of game, mm-hmm. no one would ever. Yes, they may just be sitting on the couch, mm-hmm. but if we can get them to play a game around their purpose that they love. Mm-hmm. Think of the power of, of the collective of everyone being able to play a submersive, you know, immersive game to help humanity out in a way. To 100%. We had a one of my friends actually had him on the podcast. Um, it was a. Uh, um, he uh, has a blending of these technologies where he's a, a nano engineer, um, also a virtual reality developer. And mm. one of the things that he actually built. Uh, was a system um, that allows you to do um, protein folds um, inside a virtual reality environment with to baby make designer drugs, and he basically yeah. parsed that through uh, a blockchain um, so that you can track all the way back who made those protein folds, and then had AI be able to analyze that. So basically, every yeah. buzzword you could think of, he's integrated into his system, and so I, I had them on um, because he's he's working on trying to find vaccines and cures and things like right. that for the coronavirus. And so trying to empower people because people are at home yeah. going, what can I do with my energy? And so he's got a system you can go. And it's a bit technical right now, um, but um, he's, he's yeah. quickly, you know, iterating that, but right around that same thing. It's like, yeah, do you want to be able to con- contribute? Okay. Everybody get in, let's all yeah. work on this problem together or um, innovation. Yeah. And it's, and it's, again, it's, it's, but there's a, there's a need for it, and also it's it when you're when you're inside a, a virtual world of any kind, you you have so much more control and feedback in the system that you can just you can you can take those introspective things, you can take um, you know uh, gamified elements, you can you can do so much more when you when you when you nest things inside of another thing because you have full control of domain, and that really lives you gives you the ability to, um, I guess. Um, make more feedback basically make more things into a game right versus for us it's, right. it's we're all these like little everyone's playing these like we all have mental models in our head right and but but getting that out and then working that is a is a is a a skill and a craft unto itself and you know being a a self-care coach i think it might be part of your thing is helping people find um inspiration and 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 getting it from inside outwards that they may not even be aware of Yep. Yeah. So um, let's do this. Uh, um, this is a fascinating conversation. Um, if people want to get a hold of you and and reach out to you, um, how do they how do they reach out to you? Yeah, the the best is just uh, good old fashioned. If you want to call it old fashioned social media, um, <laughs> it's just you know pop on Facebook and uh, Dr. Dave Heitman is by far the best uh, way to get a hold of me. So both my um, uh, personal page or, or professional page, and then uh, I run an academy called Authentic Vibes Academy, which is we're helping uh, healthcare providers really kind of get ready for this new marketplace. And the new marketplace being the new ways to market, mm-hmm. literally market online and sales funnels and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, but more importantly, what the the world is changing into from a precision wellness standpoint. So in other words, any provider can and can bring in genetics and uh, these biometric devices and start helping inspire people a little bit more. So we have Authentic Vibes Academy. And then um, LinkedIn, of course, would be another big one that people could reach out to me from. And just ask questions. I'm a conversation. 
conversation person. Uh, so shoot me questions. Yeah, that's awesome. I have uh, um, offline. I'll connect you with someone about your Authentic Vibes Academy. Uh, I think you guys um, will connect well. So um, oh, very cool. Very, yeah, yeah that, that's awesome, man. This is a, a bunch of great work, man. I, I I love all the things you're about. The you know future focus while while looking at the past, balancing those two things. You know, using the technology to reconnect with humanity. Um, it's it's all awesome. Giving yourself a you know a, the ability to you know you know both focus down and get stuff done, but then taking a breather. It's really cool uh, to to see all all the the journey you've been on. And I'm sure there's so many people that have, like. Um, wished that they had the courage um, and, and the, the the confidence, or the I don't know the the the, the fuckitness to say, "Hey, yeah, I'm you can the, yeah, yeah, I'm going on the bus yeah. and I'm out later." Yeah. People always go, yeah. "No, but I'm, I won't be safe. What if?" There's all these like things that that yeah. makes one play small. So it's 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 awesome that you were able to take that big leap. Um, uh, onto the yellow bus <laughs> if it was yeah, yellow. You do it, it's the scariest thing in the world but man if if you guys pick your own thing it doesn't have to be a bus if you yeah. if you all pick your own thing and realize that you're all in control of your own destiny <laughs> that you just have to get over the fear of something and yeah. once you get over the fear and you make that jump it is the most exhilarating feeling yeah. doesn't matter what you end up doing it's just make that leap you know, quit the job without having anything in mind, uh, buy the house that you want to be crazy, you know, downsize, upsize, whatever it is that makes you feel like it's going to be that next crazy thing in your adventure. Mm-hmm. You just got to get over the fear and do it. Get over the fear and do it. My last question for you on this, and we'll come to a wrap on this, whatever, whatever might come out. There's someone that might be listening to this that has that decision. They see that they want to take that step but they're feeling the massive fear right and they and and whatever story patterns going on in their head what would you tell them what what advice would you to get them to take that leap yeah uh simply write down a list mm-hmm. what are all the positives that would come out of it and what is the worst case scenarios that would come out of it Mm-hmm. And I can guarantee you the positive list is going to be much bigger than the negative list, even though the negative list sounds big and scary and hairy and we don't want to touch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you just have to you have to really check your gut on that. And once you create that list, that'll help you. You can really channel that energy into controlling that fear and it'll help you make that leap. Super cool. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Dave. I really appreciate your time, brother. Um, yes, for sure. This is super fun. Yeah, we'll do another one for sure. Awesome. All right. All right, Dave. Catch you later. All right. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you have any comments, suggestions, or feedback on how to improve the podcast, I would cherish that. Please give me an email or shout out at Dylan at heroesofreality.com. That's D-Y-L-A-N at heroesofreality.com. Stay strong, young adventurers. Until next time.